In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life, amen. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Wonderful to see you all here. This song keeps going through my mind on this season. Here we are as in olden days, happy golden days of your faithful friends who are dear to us. Gather near to us once more, except, um, in my head it sounds better. (laughs) So here we are. Once again, we have made it to this place, faithful friends who are dear to us. Like the shepherds and the wise men, we have heard the invitation and we have made our journey to this sacred place to celebrate once again the birth of God in human flesh taking the form of a baby. We come here despite the fact that so many of us have perfectly good reasons not to be here. It's funny, last night our bishop gave a very lovely sermon about um, all the reasons why you might be here. But for me, maybe it's just after, I don't know, five hours of sleep, uh, I keep coming up with reasons not to be here. In fact, I mean, there's no reason why we can't be honest about this. I bet there's more than one person here tonight who thought, you know what, I'm just going to skip church this Christmas, and yet here you are. Maybe you've lost a loved one recently. The idea of sitting in the same pew with that empty space next to you might have seemed just too painful to bear, but you are here anyway. Something stronger than death has drawn you here. Bless you in your heartbreak. Bless you for being here. Maybe you've been laid off from work or some other kind of bad thing has happened to you and you've been mad at God. Maybe you thought for a moment that you might just skip church to punish God. And then you realize that probably would not hurt God as much as it hurt you, and so you came. Bless you for showing up. Or maybe you've just been feeling less connected to church lately. Maybe the whole idea of church just seems increasingly strange to you, and you wondered, why should you go? But then you had a change of heart for some reason, or someone talked you into it, or you came out of habit anyway, and so here you are. God bless you. Whatever the reasons, and I'm sure there are as many reasons not to go to church as there are people in this room, here we all are. God bless us, everyone. Sometimes we do things for reasons we ourselves do not fully understand, but it doesn't matter now. We're here in the flesh like the wise men who followed the golden light. Sometimes we have to let go of our sad stories and our sorry excuses and all the reasons why we don't want to, don't need to show up. And then as if by a mysterious inner guidance system, we come home anyway. There was a time in my life, almost 40 years ago now, I can't believe it, when I had given up on church altogether. I had dropped out of seminary, 
I didn't believe in God anymore. I thought the church was hopelessly obsolete and uncool. I thought nothing would ever bring me back. Well, as the bumper sticker says, don't believe everything you think. It wasn't wasn't an idea that brought me back to church. My ideas at the time were too small for the reality that I was about to encounter. No, it wasn't an idea. It was love. My girlfriend at the time said if I wanted to marry her, I had to marry her in a church. And so she dragged me off to one, Trinity Church in Boston, one of the most beautiful churches in the world. I went there on a Sunday morning with my arms crossed and my face in a scowl, determined not to believe any of it. And something happened to me that took me completely by surprise. It turned out that God was far bigger than my ideas. It turned out, in fact, that God was not an idea, that God was actually real. Not a myth, not a psychological phenomenon. God was real. And all this time, God had been waiting for me to show up. Trinity Church in Boston was home to one of the great preachers of the 19th century, a guy named Phillips Brooks who once himself expressed frustration with what he called the obscurity, the feebleness, the vague remoteness of religion. Religion becomes vague and feeble when we reduce it to a set of ideas that we carry around in our brains as if we know what we're talking about when we talk about God. But we don't, because God is not an idea. God is a teenage mother far from home, desperately poor, finding shelter among the mules and the cattle in order to give birth. God is a newborn baby, his breath rising in the cold air of a drafty stable. God is a set of wise men dressed, in the, dressed to the nines in silk and wool, kneeling in the muck and the straw. I knew a guy once who became very angry with God because God had refused, he thought, to give him what he desperately wanted. He had been praying for his wife who had cancer that she might be healed and she did not get healed. In fact, she died. And that was it for my friend. Of course, his heart was broken. At first, He blamed God for it, and then he just stopped believing in God altogether. And of course, who could blame him? Because he thought if God existed, then God would not have let his wife die. It took years for him to get a new thought about this. It happened when a friend of his dragged him back to church, and he realized that maybe it was not God's plan that his wife suffered and died that maybe God was bigger than a magical wish fulfillment machine, that maybe God had been as broken up about his wife's death as he was, and that while he had given up on God, maybe God had not given up on him. 
And so my friend closed his eyes and spent, he told me, he spent the sum total of about one millionth of a microsecond opening himself to the possibility that God might actually be real and be there for him. And in that moment, everything changed. I don't know. All of these words might just be words to you, vague ideas. Sometimes none of this makes any sense at all until the day comes when our hearts get broken open and everything falls apart. And then we have a choice. We can try to put all the pieces back together again. We can be like all the king's horses and all the king's men, gluing every broken bit of our lives back together again, just like it used to be. We can go about our lives all glued together, respectable-looking, insisting on having everything on our own terms, doing everything we can to regain what we've lost, whatever that is, our youth, our strength, our beauty, our sense of control, our independence, our social standing, our identity, our attachments, our goals, our preferences, whatever it is. We can constantly assert and reassert our ideas about what we think we deserve or who we think we are and how we think it will be when God finally wakes up and starts doing his job and giving us what we want. Or we can take a moment to be here, really be here in our truth, in our emptiness, in the presence of this great mystery. And then let God come down from that remote platonic realm of vague ideas and enter our flesh, inhabit our breath. You know, I think the, the sound of a, of a baby, a baby's cry piercing the night is just about the purest form of prayer there ever was. So it was, um, it was many years ago now, back when I was married. It was just before Christmas. I was at the mall, standing in the middle of the women's lingerie section at Macy's, holding this red satin wonder bra in my hands, my wife, yes, the very same woman who had dragged me to Trinity Church, Boston, 25 years earlier, my wife had hinted rather broadly that a wonder bra would be a perfectly appropriate expression of wonder at our Savior's birth. <laughs> and I was debating this point in my head when suddenly I felt a tap on my shoulder and heard my name spoken directly into my ear. It turned out to be an old friend whom I hadn't seen in a couple of years. He found it highly amusing that the color of my face now matched the color of the item that I was now hiding behind my back. And while he waited for me to recover my composure, he asked me if I was going deaf because it turned out that he had been calling my name from across the room but that I had been completely oblivious to him until the moment when he actually tapped me on the shoulder and spoke directly into my ear. 
I told him that as far as I knew, my ears were fine. It was just that, you know, I'd been absorbed in this deep theological question. But later, while I was driving home, I wondered if maybe that's how God feels, you know, calling our name again and again, getting no response while we spend our days examining wonder bras and such. So it has been down through the ages, all the prophets and the wisdom teachers calling our names, inviting us into relationship, getting no response. So in one last effort, he sends his own son to cross that infinite divide, to tap us on the shoulder, speak our name. He's here even now, calling our name. If we could only hear his voice above the noise our brains are making. So he taps us on the shoulder, calls our, our name, and in our longing and our loneliness, he is here. In the form of actual human beings sitting next to us and shyly wanting to get to know us. In our despair, he is here in the form of babies who meet our eyes so directly and then break out into a smile. In our pain, he is here in the form of dozens of men and women all around us who have found in the way of the cross a love that is stronger than death. So let's take a moment on this holy morning to listen once again to that voice that's calling to us. Let's get quiet enough to hear God's heartbeat sounding in our chests. Let's take a breath and let it be God's breath passing through our lungs. Let's listen for the angels and hear their chorus of praise rise from every blade of grass in every cloud of rain. Putting aside all our precious thinking, let us enter into the true presence of the Holy One. Just take a moment. Amen, and Merry Christmas.